Welcome to Journey to the Centre of Food, a bag of pickled onion monster munch in a world of Pringles. My name's Jay Taylor, I'll be your pilot today, along with our foodie navigator, James Winter. Hi. And on today's show, sit up straight, elbows off the table, and eat with your mouth closed if you want to keep your head attached, as we are taking a trip inside the world of table manners from the time of Henry VIII discovering what it would have taken to stay on the right side of the big man at dinner time and how you avoid embarrassing yourself when hanging out with the Tudors. So without further ado, stick on your tights and ruffles and prepare to eat properly as we take a journey to the centre of historic manners. Hello James, how are your table manners sir? Oh I think I'm going to be very nervous through this episode, I'm going to find out I'm terribly uncouth and uh, wouldn't have survived at the dinner table of anybody, let alone you, the kings you, you and You've eaten at the finest of fine dining tables around the world. Generally I mean, on a surely. side corner. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the kids table. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> round the corner underneath the air conditioning unit. You know, we're happy to serve you sir as long as nobody can see. <laughs> you ever, have you ever had the thing with the cutlery where you're going I don't know which one to use oh yeah all the time I've had that where yeah. you've used it I remember you've replaced it you know sort of halfway through go actually sir you've used the wrong fork you know they're very polite about it but you're kind of it's for way and I should know now being in the restaurant business that they implement the scrapes the tablecloth in between courses there's always yes. a long lingering scrape around my plate because <laughs> <laughs> you've taken oh, the bread roll from both the left and the right plate and there's a mark that I've tried to hide with a bit of my napkin fold and they've clearly uncovered it and got in there and tried to stra- <laughs> I've had and also the, you're not supposed to put the you know when you have the fabric napkins it's really poor form to put that on your plate isn't it afterwards you're supposed to put that on the side because if you put that on the plate that means oh look at the look I'm on your plate I'm making notes I'm making notes Jay <laughs> Well, I think the idea is some poor waiter is going to have to then take it off the leftovers of your plate. We're not in Possibly. Nando's. Not just I just assume that everything I can do is probably sort of badly thought out, and they're going to tidy it up afterwards. We can cope with anything you could do, sir. But uh, but we yes, there are some rules yes, which we whatever. <laughs> have you not- I don't like it when there's endless cutlery faff. No. It does tire me out sometimes when in between like every feels like every five minutes someone's taking a knife and replacing it with a different knife, and I'm just oh come on, it's all fine. I'm all right. I and I fight the steak, I don't mind. Well, that's it. And, and really, at the heart of it, for me, a restaurant or an entertaining space should be as comfortable, make you as feel as comfortable, rather, as, as it possibly can. So if it's laden with rules and manners, I mean, it's, it's, it's something, certainly in this current, you know, uh, sort of climate, it's a bit tone deaf in a way. You know, people don't want that anymore. They want to come out and eat and have fun and enjoy themselves. And yeah, they're going to behave, you know, in an appropriate, polite manner to the, you know, other, but nobody wants to have... Be told that, oh, sir, you really ought to fold your napkin here, or oh, you ought to. Oh, oh. Do you mind doing this as you do, as you leave? You know, or, or, or could you eat with the outside cutlery first and a spoon with this dish? It's just sometimes, you know. And we will get to our guest in a second who will t- correct well. us and all this. But the endless the places you go where they endlessly fill you up with uh, water and wine. Oh, my God. Because I tend to just drink. If there's something next to me, I'll just keep well. drinking it. And they just keep filling it up, especially the water well, one. because you're paying for oh, it, God. Jay. Come on. You clearly yeah, drink too fast, and they've spotted empty glass. I do. They'll have put, they'll have put, if they've got a good service team, they'll have spotted you and just put one of the uh, guys near you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm their dream. I drink really quickly, and I have to end up after a while putting something on the top of my glass to stop me, stop them filling it up. I'm like, stop it! Yeah. It's by the time the starter arrives, I'm hanging off the side of the table. So yeah, so you know, I know what you mean. Though sometimes we were actually interestingly we we're working on a 
you know, a concept with Heston, actually, which is this idea of an interrupted, uninterrupted service, trying to find a balance between how you get people who sometimes want to be interrupted. Sometimes they want to hear more about the stories you're trying to tell or the wine or the food or whatever. But other times they're having a really good conversation with their, their companion or business partner or whatever. And they just think, actually, just bring the food. We're, we're, we're eating, but we're not really engaging with the concept. And it's how you know, as a front of house team, to manage that. Obviously, you know, they're very highly trained and skillful anywhere at reading, you know, um, guest environments but really we're trying to develop a, a kind of serviceware mechanism to give give the team you know some indication that you want to be left alone for a bit or you'd actually like to hear a bit more about what we do you know so look and uh, cool yeah idea. well it's yeah. more personalized isn't it well absolutely at the end it's it's always going to be about you know each individual guest desires and wants for that experience but we you know we're always innovative on the level on the area of personalization in the fact that group jay you know we're always trying to absolutely make you feel like you're the only person being cooked for in the room and it's all about you you know that's the journey it's, oh thanks yeah. James. well yeah it is. that's <laughs> why we, if you come we will fill up the, your water glass stick him over there <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> under, the, under the staircase by the coats yeah no trouble do you mind if right, we put well, this coat? Do you mind if we hold this coat? Narrow, it's time to introduce in our very own Mrs. Bronson, who will t- tick us both off about our, um, which is a very random Grange Hill reference, which I'm sure that half of our listeners. I think it was Mr. Bronson, wasn't was it? it? Mis- Mrs. McCluskey, Mr. Bronson. Yes, and Mr. Bronson. Well done. Mr. Bronson, who also doubled up as playing Hitler uh, in quite a few films. Oh, a couple of times, yeah. yeah, a few things, yeah. I think he added that. Yeah. Specific. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> genre of well he's probably waiting for that time to come <laughs> back if he's still with us <laughs> sure. so and that's another link as well because he was actually in one of these films uh, there you go wow it feels like we've really joined this up um, let's meet our guest host for today he's back once again striding through the mists of time armed with a knowledge of historic food second to none and a bag full of holy grails he is the Indiana Jones of the cooking world and as James says try saying Meltonville without saying mmm it's Mark Meltonville. Welcome back, Mark. Uh, uh, hello, guys. Well, I listened to all that with uh, interest, didn't I? Um, I think you're going to do all right this evening because because from what I've what I've heard, you've got a fear of cutlery. Yes. And I'm going to introduce a world where there was very little, so that's going to be okay. Okay. And um, the manners, I think you're going to get on okay with them. So I, I, I'm. I'm happy that I'm going to be leading you through this. Are we going back into a world of more manners or less manners? That's what, what I'm wondering. Are we going to get, Ooh. you know, as we go back through these, peel back the layers to, to Tudor England or, you know, are we, are we going to find more rules? And we, you know, what's, what's the general vibe here, Mark? I think yes, but it's back to that. What survives is not the everyday. The manners book and the one particularly that we're going to be looking at is written for noble dining. So this is people that dine in castles, palaces, great manor houses. This is not sat round the table with a hunk of cheese with some farmers. So we only get a snapshot. Not us, basically, is what you're saying, Mark. Maybe you could, maybe you, but definitely not us. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get to our, our little time travelling adventure, uh, Mark obviously is is you know our resident historian regularly on and has been getting uh, lots of responses to some of the podcasts that you've been doing with us, which we hugely appreciate. And we did one uh, a few weeks ago, which was the oldest cookbook in the world ever, which Mark was reading <laughs> to us. Uh, slightly mistitled, but it was a very, very, very old cookbook. And Mark stepped us through it and it was absolutely delightful hearing all the various different uh, recipes from back then. But one of our... Um, 
Long-term listeners who's always in touch has got back with a a question. Christine Laurie's got in touch. Hello, Christine. Who for 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 ages I've been calling Leo because that's her handle on Instagram, uh, and then I found it, it's, it's Christine. So Christine, I'm sorry for misnaming you this whole time, but it was confusing. But she says, "Dear Jay and James and Mark, um, I saw the description of the latest episode, the form of, and started bouncing up and down in the armchair. The timing was extraordinary." Earlier in the day, in one of my history honours seminars, which means she's, you know, she's smart as well. Mm-hmm. She knows what she's talking about. I'm not sure we should listen to this for. She had, we had to take, we had to take in a book that had been particularly influential to our love of history. I took in the form of Curie. Well, I actually took in Curie on English, the collection of C14 cooking manuscripts, uh, but we won't let that get in the way. Um, and she's also been doing loads of looking into historical food and has her own historical food blog, which is fantastic. Uh, and she's been editing recipes from the time. But she did say that she had a question for you, Mark. Uh, he, okay. She said, you mentioned hens, probably spelled something like hennies, H-E-N-N-Y-S. The more commonly used chicken meat in the medieval period is capon. But every so often you find a, a recipe specifically for hen. Usually it's braised chicken i.e. a slow-cooked sauce, and paired with strong flavours. Um, my theory is these recipes intend... Are, sorry, my theory is are these recipes intended specifically for hens that were no longer laying eggs? These would be much older birds, would need longer cooking, uh, but which could be used with stronger flavours because the meat has more flavour. I'd love to see what Mark thinks. I love the show. Look forward to it each week and eagerly awaiting pictures of James in cosplay, which is an entirely different... Um, Matter. That's my other Instagram account. <laughs> so, so, Mark, this question about hens and hennies, what's I don't understand. What's going let, on? Let, let, let's do the um, let's do the media absolute panic answer. Yes. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for coming oh, it's on. It's more complicated Mark. We'll see you than next that. Week. <laughs> yeah. No, she's 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 basically got there. Hen, which can be spelt however you like, so it it uh, it, it just uh, however many n's and e's you want to put into the word hen does refer to the female bird. They are using them for egg laying. So when you see hen turn up in a recipe, it usually is a uh, an old layer and therefore wants cooking down. Um, capons are used an awful lot because you don't need the little boy chicks so there's lots of those about they are caponized just after they're born which means a pair of scissors or pliers to stop them being boys and then they become capons right (laughs) there's there's looks of shock on the uh, screen (laughs) this is taking a a wildly (laughs) different turn we we do not caponize in britain anymore um but we do import capons. But it's 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 another part of farming. It's part of husbandry. What do you want to do with all the little boy chicks, which are of no use? You only need one or two cockerels. They're not going to lay many good eggs. So what we tend to do is dispose of them young, which is another way of getting rid of them. They used to caponize them. Otherwise, they'd fight if you don't castrate them. And you end up with this uh, fat, juicy meat at the end of the year. So most of the chicken eaten was either capon or older hens what you don't see very often is roasted chicken roasted chicken like the roasted meat that we talked about is a real luxury and doesn't really turn up very often unless you're trying to spoil your guests and certainly up until in england up until the 1970s a roast chicken was still a bit of a special thing it was an easter or birthday why is that then, because it was so it's because there wasn't the world of cheap chicken which is what was developed just after that and specifically a chicken that was developed in america called the cob 500 that grows so fast so capons and are much we, smaller were they 
no no capons are big fat and turkey sized because one of the uh, um, results of castration is that the the male gets very very fat so it makes a good eating chicken but it doesn't taste like roast chicken it would taste different to that would it no no if, if you roast a capon it's really good chicken meat it's just they didn't tend to roast because it's an expensive way of cooking. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is really quite a recent thing that we've done that, or for the only the world. The, ro- the roast chicken is, and the, well, the availability of very fast grown cheap chicken is a phenomenon of the last 35, 40 years. And prior to that, there is nothing. And if you talk to people's parents or grandparents, they'll, they'll say, oh, yeah, we didn't have chicken very much. We had pork chops, we had sausages, we had fish. They Nowadays, chicken is just everywhere because of the development of not very good chicken i'm afraid I, I think we should eat less good chicken rather than lots of bad yeah so capons would be older too would they generally when or we they don't know they usually are seasonal but they grow less, not just bit. they don't grow as quickly as yeah. this um american no no they don't, they don't they just grow at the same rate because capons now were seen as quite a kind of celebratory bird i mean you would often have a capon mm. specifically at, at christmas or easter time now as opposed to because it's, it's so big right so just the size is yeah thank you christine <laughs> uh brilliant to hear from you always and always and that Great was a really interesting question it led us off an interesting path and talking about curious things mark come on now stick us in the mm-hmm. time machine hit eight and a half miles now right. we are off to when Right, we well, we well, we talked about manners as an idea for one of these shows, and I realised that the, it's an absolutely massive subject, and so we better test the water and see if people are interested without just going for it. <laughs> In fact, uh, I think I've got more manners earlier than I have any recipe books. We were talking a few weeks ago about the oldest cookbook in English which is um, the 1390s. Well, I've got manners going back into the 1200s, and probably into the 800s as well so they seem to turn up where first. how are you seeing these <laughs> well one of them uh, that the 1215 one is a translation of an italian poem and the earliest one i've got at the moment is in the apocrypha of the bible uh, the apocrypha is the books which were left out of the big bible but are considered pretty good and in the apocrypha is a uh, book called ecclesiasticus and if we look at ecclesiasticus 32 which is the verse it's called uh, if if you be master at a feast and it teaches you how to be a good host mm. so that's table manners how how to treat your guests well and how to look after them with good food and music so this idea of us being human beings i think this is where it comes from we are human beings we are not animals yeah Animals eat on the ground at the trough. They gnaw on bones. We'll come to that in a minute. They, they, they are animals. We are not. Whether you're religious or not, we're supposedly something special right through the Middle Ages. We are made in God's image. We are God's creature. And therefore, we have to behave differently. And that's why you seem to get manners books right from the start as how how you should behave and the manners book we're going to look at today is from the time of henry the eighth but it was written in uh rotterdam in what will be holland by a rather famous chap a lot of people have heard of erasmus yeah why have i heard of him no. mm. well he was a very very influential religious philosopher we're not going into all of his other books, but he <laughs> he was one of those philosophical thinkers at the time of the Reformation when Europe's changing, the church is changing. Uh, he he was a bit of a liberal thinker. He had all sorts of ideas. And his, his books of philosophy have, have come down to us. So he's very much studied. But one of his books, not as much studied, is Erasmus's De Civitate. I always say it wrong, so you can write it and tell me how I should have said that. It translates into English. 
as, or they translate it into English, as a little book of good manners for children. That's how it's published first in Britain. And it's published in 1532. Uh, Disivitate means more like civil, uh, civilization. Why is he writing this? Civility. What, what, on the side? Between... Well, there's obviously, there's obviously a market for it because it's, it's, there's a growing middle class who are buying books it's all of these things are new this is like the internet being new you know they they can't they they weren't able to get a book 50 years earlier it's like not being able to so go this is like it. a myspace <laughs> yes we've got you know we've got we've got a book what should we put in it i don't know uh, how to teach your kids <laughs> well that'd be a good one that'll sell because our kids are going to grow up and be better than us and they're going to end up dining in polite society and we want them to know how to behave and there are there are loads of of books like this another famous one is called the babby's book which just means children again and that's got everything from getting dressed in the morning to how to put your clothes on to combing your hair and going for a wash all all these things are being detailed probably because there is a market amongst the the growing middle classes and upper classes for information about how to behave and not everything that you were talking about not get it wrong but i presume oh in my ignorance that table manners <laughs> will not have changed very much because there's the, the act of eating and dining feels like it hasn't changed drastically so is it not just the same like don't make a right. mess on your shirt and try not to eat your mouth basically full? basically but you're ruining the next 10 Sorry. minutes if it's just the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a terrible preview isn't it you can tune out yeah. now is there anything changed mark no, no. um <laughs> there's a lot similar and there's a lot different and part of that is it first we, we're going to have to t- explain how you dine so you were saying let's go and eat with henry the eighth he's sat at the end of his great hall he's got all of his bowls and cutlery around him you're sat further down the hall there's two if you imagine a big horseshoe of tables he's up the top end like a wedding he's on the top table it's physically separate and then there are two great long arms of tables making up the rest of the horseshoe and everybody's sitting along there and they're sitting in order someone's done the play settings oh that's so great that, uh, so the farther the away you are the... oh yes i'm right down the far end <laughs> last <laughs> Last seat on the last table, and if you're placed there, you know it. You think, okay, I've got a long way to go in life. I've got to work my way all the way up there. We're not only we sat down there in these great long tables on benches, but we're sat in f- groups of four. Now, you can't quite see it until you look at the table, because it's all one great long table. But if you look, the jugs of drink, the bowls of food, the little place, are in little fours. They're, they're referred to as a mess. We still use the word mess hall officers mess it, it, it's to do with dining so our four right at the furthest end we're gonna to have to find one more friend <laughs> to go with us we're the lowest mess and if we look at the food as it goes up the hall maybe we've got three or four dishes to choose from because this is all going to be like a buffet so you've got to think we're going to sit down to a buffet and serve ourselves so there's no worry about these uh, dining staff moving a napkin james or doing anything <laughs> to annoy you with another knife it's just you you're going to sit there and serve yourself from a buffet and we we look down and we think oh this is pretty good you know we've got four or five dishes to choose from then we look up at the next mess and think hang on they've got six. Oh no they're doing and, that are they <laughs> and, we, and, we, and, and we, we've got a hen we've got a hen and they've got capon and then the next one's got seven dishes by the time you get to the king a couple of the meals for henry the eighth they describe him sitting down to a buffet of 27 dishes to choose and you from. can't so, you can't t- help for you help yourself from someone else's nope part no so you stay within your right oh yeah oh, you oh. see you've already so, got into now, trouble, James, because you just reached over. Yeah, and take I would have reached over to have a bit. Yeah, exactly. I'll have a bit <laughs> no, of that, no, no. please. So, so what does Erasmus tell us about what we've got to do? Well, 
large parts of it as you as you said are going to be fairly obvious because they're good manners he reminds us to wash our hands before we sit Fair down enough. now good, good if you're nice. on the top table a bowl of water will come round like a finger bowl, but a big one, and you get to wash your hands there. Us lot, no, we go to a bowl in the corner on a table, wipe, wash the hands, wipe it on a towel before you go and sit down. Um, lots of books mention that. Erasmus is the only one who suggests it'd be quite good to put some um, little cocktail sticks there as well. You can clean under your nails. Oh, fancy. Because you're going ha- to be eating with your hands, and so why shouldn't your hands be clean? Well, I don't like eating with my hands. Oh, yeah, I'm afraid you haven't got Is any the choice. the fork being invented yet? The fork's there, but it's for service only. So any forks down the middle of the table are for serving meats or sweet things, but not for dining with. They're not, there's no... And I guess knives were Knife is yours. Left at the front No, door. no, oh, no. you're allowed no, to knife no, in you've got to have room, a knife. Right? You can't okay. cut your food up otherwise. So your knife is yeah. on your belt. So as we sit down, we've washed our hands, um, cleaned our fingers, and then we... Uh, Pull a little knife from your belt, put that next to the only piece of cutlery that's provided, one spoon. And there's a tiny little plate there, referred to as a trencher. A lot of people have heard of trenchers. Um, it comes from the French to mean a slice, a tranche. And for a very brief period, it was a slice of bread. But it doesn't last like that very long. How small is this plate then? Uh, average. What um, You're going to hit me with, um, what's that in metric again? About seven inches across, tiny, like a saucer. Only the size of a saucer. the things they give you when you go to one of those all-you-can-eat buffets. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, well, they're doing exactly the same. But this is all because of the manners. That is not your meal. Your meal is in that buffet in the middle. And everything you want will be taken from the buffet to the trencher and then to your mouth. It's part of the the etiquette. You don't just grab a chicken leg like they do in the films. That's disgusting, that is. You move your food from the dishes to the trencher there you mix flavors together if you want some sauce and then you eat it politely like that now erasmus also wants to remind us um that we're, once we've sat down in a hall this is a bit like going to a wedding banquet or something you know you're not going to go wandering about so he says have a little think <laughs> why not go to the toilet before you sit down otherwise well, there's all these people there's all these yeah he says go to the toilet before the meal then he's got one what am i wearing mark what am i wearing well you're wearing you, you're wearing a doublet and hose which everybody's thought of and he's thought of that too so you've got this they they're a bit like tights a tight jacket a coat a hat because you're still wearing hats indoors and he also says you know wash your hands go to the toilet and says oh here's one I would undo your belt a couple of notches before you sit down. That way you don't have to sort of stand up and go, excuse me, lads, got to undo this. <laughs> so get that done early on. He's met us, yes, which he, is good. <laughs> and then, well. of course, he goes straight in with one that everybody knows, which is, his, oh, and when you do sit down, don't put your elbows on the table. <laughs> See, that's brilliant. I'm going to tell my kids this, because I said to them all the time, there's if a this practical is good enough for Henry VIII, it's good enough for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go on, what's the reason uh, there's for There's a this? practical reason for it, and it, it might not work in the great hall of a, of a, of a palace, because the tables are quite large and chunky, but all the tables, even in a palace, are trestle tables. They are removed after the meal, because the great hall might be for dancing, or a play, or music, or whatever, afterwards. So the servants have brought all these tables in, laid them down, put the trestles up, put the board on top, now, if three of us put our elbows on the table on a board on one side, we're going to tip the thing over onto us, aren't we? Is it? Is that as practical? <laughs> so it seems as, to be as practical. As don't do that. It's also considered, you know, impolite because you're taking up too much space. He's a bit worried about you taking too much space. He says, you know, be mm. careful you don't sort of kick or put your feet over the guy next to you because I, th- I think it's fairly, fairly tight in there. Um, for some reason, mm. it's. I'm told it's best if you don't hook your leg over the hook over the leg of the man next to you. 
I have no idea why so you I want get, to. Are we on a, well, are we on a bench? Yes, you're on a bench. This one is your you're on a bench. bench, so we're not in no, your so chairs. No, you, so you've got so. a shared table and you've got shared benches. So he's trying to make sure you oh. occupy your space and, and and keep to it and don't... Uh, well, I don't like a bench, especially if you want to get out, because I don't know how long these benches this is are. This is why you've been, been to the, to the toilet, toilet and you've undone, undone your, belt. your belt. That's what he's telling yeah, you. Yeah, they're going to keep filling my cup up, aren't they? What about drink? Is someone filling my wine glass? No, that's you. That's a problem for me. That's you. So you're okay now, Jay, because there's there's glass there's jugs of beer and wine and water and so on on the table and that's up to you he is a little bit uh, worried about you though jay because he's got a thing he says um <laughs> do not be too eager at your drink whatever yeah, you do you don't reach for the drink he says if so if one of you just reaches for the wine and pours a pint and then drinks it and has another one before they've eaten anything he's thinking that's not going to go down too well so very good idea to pour some drink and then take something to eat then have a drink. Don't be seen to be sort of guzzling or, as he says, too eager for drink because they'll think he'll love you. Mm. Now, there's a lot that goes on about how to behave during the grace because, of course, this is a time when everybody is going to be saying grace. So once we've settled ourselves down, we all have to stand straight back up again for grace. And and he, he goes on quite a lot about how you don't uh, look around the room and mess about and just be polite. Dur- it's during, always a nightmare, though, isn't yeah, it? Dur- anyway, you go anywhere, you do that. You're always yeah, so worried just, about. Just, you know, it's like a minute silence. Yeah, just shout just, by accident. Yeah, just sort of sit, sit just stand there and look down and and uh, do your bit. And then once you sit down, remove your hat if you're instructed to, but otherwise leave it on. So that's uh, up up to you, up up to whoever's with you. Now, in any one, I wonder where I'd put it as well. If I'm wearing a particularly grand hat, which I, I have I'm no idea. <laughs> under the bench. Just under under your bench. That's yeah, right. you could put it under the bench. So. In any mess, there's one person that outranks the others always. So even in your four, there's the one who's about to move up to the next one. And it's so, James, uh, yeah, it's James. It's James. It's James he's, this one. he's moving up from the Beezer Hope yeah, division up yeah. to the fourth. And division. one of the ways we're, we're, we're looking down at the Rumbelow's Cup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the things he's going to do that helps ingratiate you and move it is that you can pass up. So if we've got something, James has a quick look at the table and thinks, you know what, I don't want to sit with these guys for much longer. I'm going to move up a mess. So he grabs one of our dishes and offers it to the head of the next mess upwards. And that keeps going all the way down. Everyone's trying to be nice to each other, passing up. And So what happens at the very bottom table? Oh, we're, we're, we're stuffed. Like yeah. <laughs> well, no, yeah, we're, exactly. We're not getting, we're giving our grub away to no, the, the no, knobs next it, to us. It works the other way as well, because we're trying to ingratiate by passing up and they're trying to show largesse and majesty by passing down and the one who does most of the passing down is the king so we were talking about this 27 dishes so he has a quick look down there and thinks oh oh the beef looks nice i'm going to give the dish of almonds to the uh, duke of somewhere well, the, the, the otters <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll just pass so these things get those passed, guys passed up that and one. down uh, as as you go <laughs> He's um, a little worried about. Is he talking to us? Is he is he holding yeah. court, or is he just chatting with the people next to him, like at a wedding? Usually, uh, the king's on his own. He hasn't got anybody else there. He's he's oh. sat on a table on his own, possibly with the queen. Very very few people. And there. I guess he would be quite a phys- uh, quite a fair distance away. I mean, the oh whole, yeah, yeah. We, Henry, we, we can't. We think it's the king. Really. It's only the crown that gives it away to us. We're so far away. <laughs> we can't. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, not like he's going to say. And, he's, and and he's not going to stroll up and tap you on no, the shoulder, no, no. Jay, and go, hey, he, would you like these, would you like these peas? I, I just couldn't eat any more. We've come in through a door at one end of the hall, and he comes in through his own door at the top by the table. Uh, it's all part oh. of that. And if he's got important guests dining with him, if it is a table full of full of 12, so they'll all come in through that door, not your door. It, so I'm only <laughs> impressing the table next to us, really. They're the only ones yes. who really care. Well, the, you only need of... to move one bit at a time. That's all you've got to do. Yeah, but what if you're the person at the bottom who's, who's threatened moving down someone must know that they're looking around going oh god i'm the last yeah i've got nowhere to fall is what you think. yeah <laughs> someone just comes attached on the shoulder and uh, say, you've got to go no but i suppose with that one you're going to say yes but i'm in a palace and everyone else isn't so you've made it that far you might be you might be the bottom of once. one pile but you're at the bottom you're at the bottom <laughs> of a really good good pile now once it comes to helping yourself because as i said um you are to um Use your knife to cut anything that needs cutting up. So you reach forward and cut a piece of chicken or beef off a piece and put it onto your little trencher. I'm not stabbing with it. No, you don't really stab if you can help it. Use your spoon to move anything around uh, that needs needs the spoon. If something is quite liquid, like a bit of stew, then you just bring the large bowl towards you and eat a little bit with the with your spoon and then move it back again into the into place and there's a manners that comes up with that because of course everyone's looking for the cheeky good bit and so he says really if you're being being good when you bring a bowl of of, of stew towards you have a few mouthfuls with a bit near you don't go hunt he calls it hunting for around for the largest morsel don't dig that's about awesome. looking for the big prawn oh there it is that's mine no so it's, it's no double dipping no. either what's going on oh no there? you can double dip they don't mind that but once you've finished with that bowl, before you put your spoon back down, there's a the bread roll that you were talking about overeating on. Well, that's there to keep everything clean. So you should wipe that spoon with a bit of bread. Just break a piece off, put that down. Every time you're cutting things, use that little bit of bread to wipe your knife blade. Wipe the top of your trencher if it's getting a bit dirty before you move on to another flavour. So they're trying to keep everything neat, tidy and clean. It doesn't really say whether you should eat that bread or not. So I think it's it's the same as today. It's sort of almost optional if you want to wipe it around and eat it. What he doesn't like, though, is you taking that bread and dipping it into one of the dishes in the middle there. Oh, that's that's not nice. No, 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 no. I like about that. Not, uh, not till nice the end. Is there a tablecloth here? There is a tablecloth and there's probably a there's either a napkin for you or a napkin called a runner. We still use the word runner to mean a cloth that goes down the Mm, middle. Down the middle. It doesn't didn't, it went down the edge and it's a long communal napkin. So we've all got a bit of this thing and a little bit of bread roll to it. He then gets quite excited about what you're gonna do when you get to the famous chicken bone that they so love in films with the king gnawing away on it and chucking it up in the air. Uh, he points out, we're back to this, you're, um, you're not an animal. That's how dogs eat. So when you've got anything with a bone, you should put it onto your little trencher and cut all the meat off into what they describe as fair gobbets, so pieces. Move the bone to somewhere else. They're never really specific where you're going to put it, but just put it somewhere neatly. And then cut the meat up and eat it in little little bites don't even chucking it over your shoulder no well have you seen the tapestries in these places (laughs) it's it's not going to go down chicken bone on it yeah so 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 everything has to be seen to be being done Mm. in a way that is not animalistic so he says do not gnaw on bones like dogs do it does mention. So there would be there would become kind of service staff as it were they're about um, you've got you've got the um 
you've got the pantlers who move the bread around and give you another bread roll if you need it and you've got servitors who are serving the courses and you've got the butlers who are serving the drink as well so there are people about but it's not waiting staff in the way that we're used to it they will if it's a multi-course meal we'll get a whole new mess we'll get another five dishes come in so one lot will go and another selection another mini buffet will come in so how long are we going to be there for do you think then normal meals no more than about half an hour 40 minutes just it's almost like a canteen meal but on on the big on the big occasions no it can be ages it can be hours if but that's the same as when we you know we go out for a for a a family dinner a wedding wedding. wedding dinners are probably the closest thing that survived in this form we still have the top table we still have all of the accoutrements around and this would happen every day, would it? Some oh, kind this of just, meal. Yeah, this is just is an everyday. So in the palace, every day, people would yeah. come and sit in this way and, and go through this. And obviously, yes, they'd have ceremonial celebratory meals. It, it, it has a ceremony to it because you're in such a, a stately place. And uh, So the king would always eat in this way. He would never sometimes no, have something. No, privately. no, no. He very rarely eats in the hall. This is a quite a special occasion if we've got the big man at one end. He normally eats in his room on his own. Mm. He's not around anyone, but he has to dine publicly at least once a week, because we're back to this media world. How do we know he's all right? How no, do we know dead. he's still got the not crown? Dead. How do we know he's not dead? How do we know he's got new clothes, not dowdy clothes? He has to be publicly seen. And if he's not eating well, is he ill? So this public dining is very, very important. Yeah. A lot of politics in this room as well, right? That's oh, what, yes. These are oh, movers lots, and shakers. Lots and lots of politics. Um, what else? Let's let's find you uh, something. Oh, sent this a sensible one here. Um, if someone's cutting a piece of meat from your mess in the middle of your table, don't stick your hand in to take a piece because he'll cut you. Well, I, I don't think you needed to needed a right. He clearly one, someone's done it. Well, no. somebody <laughs> did. Yeah, somebody yeah. needed it written down. <laughs> His friend Jay yeah. would have got a and you're not serving each other here either, are you? You're sort of going for it yourself, so it's probably no. You're, on that you're going well. to yeah, so it's, it's almost mm-hmm. uh, what he's saying is don't create a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting the sense there's quite an element of decorum here as well. There's kind of you know there's, there's the advice not to drink too much means that you're unlikely to get you know get a bit tipsy and start having a fight with some blokes on the next corner and you've all got knives and you know it's you know I imagine there's an element of trying to keep things. It under does control. seem to be that they're trying to keep it neat and tidy uh, uh as you say decorum there's a lot about children as well um children shouldn't be allowed to drink more than two or three times so i think you mustn't put too much wine down beer. the kids yeah <laughs> wine down the kids um the one i well, like is good advice a, uh, one, one i like <laughs> is a suggestion <laughs> suggestion that uh, children should stand not sit it stops them fidgeting i like that yeah there will be <laughs> yeah, what we think of as well the, yeah there are youngsters about so there there could be some so i might know, be quite, at the bottom quite, table there might be some kids on the table up from yeah there. probably there might, some yeah. drunk kids <laughs> there's you, you and you and three three ten-year-olds and you think oh mate i've made it <laughs> if i lose my place at this in. table to some little snotty 12 year old there's gonna be trouble I'm, <laughs> what about these knives fast. as well i imagine these knives are quite an opportunity for a bit of a status symbol do you think there's like oh, a, yes. a, a maximum oh, yes. size you can't bring out a machete or something they tend to be a similar size um about not not much different to our, our dining, you know the the knives we use on on tables today, but of course you've got ample opportunity to have 
bought yourself the nicest knife you can. So you you rock up at the table with your sports car knife while everybody else has just <laughs> so got these. With the meeting knives just for eating with, they yes. wouldn't be your everyday they they they're on knife. the belt, but they look mm. yeah, they're 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 designed for eating with. They're not gonna work very well cutting trees mm. down or fighting. <laughs> and so what about things like sort of salt and pepper and seasonings and all those things? Are they present um, at this time salt's or are they on the, just salts on the table? In, yeah. in, in something which is unfortunately called a salt, which is what it sits in. <laughs> right. uh, again, there's a oh, I've got one here. There's a manner for that. Don't dip food into the salt. Well, obviously, I mean, oh. come on, because you might be tempted. You got you, you, you've got your piece of meat there, yeah. and you're thinking, no, oh, bit of salt. Mm. No, use the tip of your knife to move some salt from the salt cellar over, because it's like a little bowl of salt, mm. and move that over to your trencher and make a little pile there to dip your. Your, your food into it's all fantastically now, delicate in a way that i would never um, have imagined when we started experimenting with this the salt kept falling off because <laughs> you can't <laughs> move salt with the tip of your knife and that's because modern salt has anti-caking agents and iodine in it if you use just raw sea salt which is what they're using it's a little bit sticky a little bit wet yeah. so you can do it so this was a, a, a bit of an eye-opener that mm. their salt's a bit different to us it's not quite so free-flowing otherwise you can't move it with your knife Gosh, that's mm. interesting. Yeah, it makes sense, isn't it? It's much claggier than when you get the sea salt stuff. Mm. That's, yeah, it makes sense. You also don't what want to mess up your nice fancy Ferrari knife with that, do you? <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else have we got? Um, oh, that's a bit of an obvious one. It says here, take care. It looks like you're being offered from another table. Take care to refuse refuse things that don't agree with you. Well, that's a bit obvious, really. <laughs> yeah, but I reckon <laughs> yeah. there's something in that, which is don't take too much because it's going to make you look a bit desperate. Turn the, you know, no, I'm all right, yes. thanks. I won't take any more capons off you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just do a little bit. Um, and so am I, 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 is this a, a men and women together eating at the table? It's mixed um, genders? Or? Well, we, we've been imagining the court of Henry VIII, so no, mm. it's, it's all male. Yeah. That, 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 if there are a couple of uh, ladies there, they'll be on the top table. So there'll be the queen and the queen's ladies. Nobody else. None of the rest. So of the how staff. would the women of the the, the household there be aren't any. then? Well, the, there oh, aren't there any in the staff. <laughs> Only the queen's immediate household is has some ladies in it, and the rest of them wow. are all all chaps. Loads and loads of men. It was an all male staff in all the palaces and castles. Oh wow! Different story entirely. We can get to. I didn't even contemplate that. I thought it would be all massive, manner of no, different. No, style. no, uh, it's a lot less trouble if you have five hundred men living in a palace and not a mixed staff. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> it also gives you an immediate army, which is one of the things they thought yeah. about. <laughs> um, Imagine based telling Nancy the, f- the Queen. Well, it's also yeah. an immediate army, love. You yeah. never know. Yeah, he's got, he's got your own arm. Well, <laughs> the idea is that I have a certain amount of allegiance as he still owes me money. <laughs> That's a very good point, actually, because it, yeah, it's but, slightly less lawless, and you're not going to, yeah. you know, well, do you, am I paying for this dinner, by the way? Um, only in your life, right? <laughs> no, it, it's 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 part of something called bouche of court, but uh, the mouth, the mouth of court. If you're at a certain level. Um, that you've got a job within the, the the royal household, the king provides you with your food, your meat and drink, as they say, and your and a lodgings. So mm. you you're back to this. You might be on the final table, but you've really made it because you you don't have to spend your wages. You're you're getting board and lodging every day. So yeah, your little bag of money can just grow and grow until you leave the royal household. So it was I've seen as a very good job. In Hampton Court. Is there enough space yes, for people? Yeah, there? or which or whichever palace they move they move around. They don't stay anywhere long. But yeah, you're you're being given I I'm I'm overselling your lodgings, which is probably a small mattress in the corner somewhere. I'll take it. Of a room. But it's good. It's all good. 
Yeah, it's still fancy, like you said. You're still showing off to your mates, by the way. You know the castle? That's my yeah, house. Yeah, that's where I live. Here's another one. Um, we often get asked about the throwing of bones everywhere, and, of course, the dogs that are always in films. Yeah, There's always eating the bones and throwing your dogs. shoulders. Well, yeah, they don't like dogs in the dining hall very much. Now, you can't tell the king not to have his couple of uh, hunting hounds there because he loves them, but they generally don't appear in the hall. There's a problem with this when people are researching things because it says don't touch any dog in the hall and yet you've just read something that says well they don't really like them in there. Now we have to look for some slang here. Um, It sometimes says don't touch. It often says don't claw at your dogs. They are saying gentlemen keep your hands out your trousers (laughs) while you're eating. (laughs) That is fabulous. (laughs) It's another of his little manners. Yeah, chaps will want to adjust themselves, and please don't. <laughs> well, he does tell them to undo their belts at the beginning. Yeah, he's, he's, he's set it all up for you, but he's saying, no, no. He's such a team, you. Mr. Yeah. He knows his audience, though. He's like, right, yes. you lot, yes. don't Just drink too resist much. Resist that. Don't yes. mess around leave down the, there. Leave the dog alone, he's saying. <laughs> yeah, keep your fingers out of food and your trousers. Yeah. Yeah. Don't drink a lot. Elbows off the table. Hey, the table. And, and please don't shift your buttocks left and right when passing wind <laughs> that's what he says still yeah that's but, a, but he doesn't say don't pass wind he just says know, don't, I think, don't, yeah don't sort of bounce do around that. making a thing of it <laughs> <laughs> so he's got your best interest at heart hmm. and i think my favorite one and this comes full circle uh, is for um james saying you know he hates it when you you've got somebody who's whose manner sort of suggests you've done wrong or you shouldn't have used that knife he he finishes his entire book and there there are a couple of hundred um different things that he says you shouldn't shouldn't do but his final one is the worst uh, the worst manners of all are pointing out bad manners in others oh very nice so don't say yeah you know, someone can't hasn't quite learned it all Take them aside later, but don't make a fool out of them. This is Just lovely, because I think, I think we'd have done all right at this table. I think so. I think we're going to be fine, as long as we remember not to uh, cut each other, throw everything I, everywhere. Yeah. Double dip. And I think, <laughs> Double dip. And, uh, but I think we'll be spending quite a lot of time with Erasmus after dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, he, he, he only he only spends a very very brief time in Britain. Sadly, he teaches at Oxford for a little while, and, he, and he's he's gone back to um, gone back to Holland by now to to teach teach everybody uh, about uh, theology. So I think he's given up on tables. By and then. is there any is there any evidence of the of these sort of manners spreading? Across? I mean, obviously, there's a book. He's written a book with the intention of in, instructing people. But is there evidence that people followed these manners? There was well, evidence. This is how people ate. Or we'll never know. Uh, they mm. they are very very similar uh they are similar in every language as if they're just copying each other about almost word for word about what you can and shouldn't shouldn't do um people one of the arguments is you only write down rules when people are breaking them <laughs> so mm, yeah. is this because people aren't doing this mm. um are half of them made up to sell to mums worried about how their children are going to behave when they go to court and when you get there none of it's anything like this they just get on with it themselves I, we can't tell um mm. if we eventually move on to victorian etiquette books you know that it's all of that of how you should behave is not necessarily how people did mm. um, and we did, can only when, guess and when we when you just we, obviously we'll get to it towards another time but did, did people build on the principles of a previous yes generation as it were you know they said these are the rules and we're going to add a few more we're very much so they, right. they, they seem to and in some cases because book printing is expensive they just print the old ones wholesale 
And one of the uh, most obvious ones of those is, we mentioned earlier, this bread trencher, this bread plate, which has a very brief flourish at the end of Middle Ages. No one ever uses them again. They are still talking about how to lay and use those in cookery books 200 years later because it fills the book up. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's great isn't it just print rinse and repeat. Yeah, just just print that one down and you know, no one knows it fills the last 13 pages so yeah there's a lot of repetition i'd like to make a proposal here chaps that um mm-hmm. in our dream dinner party the, the sequence that never dies i think we should allow erasmus in because right. you know we could do with him there to make sure that we no one embarrasses himself because we've got mm. an eclectic mix coming along to this so if we get him along he can make yeah. sure that we all get on well. I think he seems like a bit of a dude. I'm quite impressed with him. And this book would be <sighs> really useful. Stand up mm. at the start, though. He's going to spend half an hour reading these 150 rules out. Oh, uh, we'll see. We'll see I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm worried. I'm worried. I've no idea. Perhaps he was a really cool guy. I don't know. What do we, yeah, I was going to say, what do we know about him as a person? Um, I mean, is he just a... You know, is not, any... my, not my field, I'm going to have to say. Right. I, I, there are undoubtedly people who studied his life and his theological works in detail. Actually, he might I've be a bit of a buzzkill, don't you think? Actually, I'm going to take him off the list. We don't want some guy <laughs> obsessed with I, I, I get the feeling he didn't go out for dinner much. Maybe not. He wasn't invited, was he? I mean, I was like, oh, God, don't get the manners guy along. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Okay. Perhaps we'll leave it. We'll, he can come into the second meal. We'll get him, yeah, he's he off, can have his own he's meal. He's off the first He list. can be at the bottom table. I do like it, Erasmus. <laughs> Mark, that was fantastic. Thank you. And I think that we would... Uh, I think we'd do all right at Henry VIII's table, but I think our chances mm. of moving up, possibly with the exception of James, are pretty limited. I think James yeah. will slowly be a distantly moving up. Oh. We'll be looking up. Yeah. Oh, you're... James, that looks nice. Can you, uh, James? No. no. James? No. Who are you? James? Sorry. No. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm, looking, I'm looking the other way now. I'm looking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's looking up. He's looking up. But what's, what's reassuring is that, you know, there's a lot of common sense in all of these matters, yeah. you know, which we all feel, which has obviously been bred into us over generation of generation of rules and trying to, you know, and it's, you know, it's, it's really, I feel that kind of, it, I suppose it's uh, to, to, to Mark's point to try and stop a rabble forming at the table so yeah. that the food is enjoyed, the respect, right respect for the food that we're receiving is enjoyed, and everyone kind of has a good time. So it yeah. feels all right it's, to me. It, yeah, it seems to be exactly that's it. It, it, it. it he talks all the way about not making fun of others, don't bring arguments to the table. It's everything you said at the start that the best dining experience should be one you're going to enjoy, not suffer from, and that's what oh, they're God. trying to do. When we get one of our live Something events, my- I think we need to pick which era. Of table okay. manners, we're going to adhere to before that, and everyone has to uh, mm. totally adhere along with that. But Mark, um, what a delight! Thank you ever so much. You never cease to amaze and delight on these things, and that Cheers. was that was really fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed that little step into manners, and like you said, a massive subject. So if if people do like this, let us know, and we will step into other eras of manners, just in case you tend to time travel mm. to another period. You're going to need to know and how also, to be armed. If they've ever kind of picked up a kind of strange food rule mm. that they have either been made to adhere to at home or their parents did or they do or just something and we'll just see if it tallies with anything that Mark's heard of or where, where yeah just what yeah I'd be really interested so do send in your uh, yeah send in all your weird table manners you've encountered but for this week Mark thank you ever thank so you. much really appreciate it James we'll speak to you next week absolutely see you soon <laughs>